Hello and welcome to the Open Labour podcast. Today I'm joined by Abby Baranski, who listeners will know has visited the show on a couple of occasions and is now my co-host for this special edition, the pre-election special. Hi Abby, how are you doing? Hi, I'm good, thank you. Great to be here. It's lovely to have you back, Abby, it really is. And we're joined as well by Nina Parker. And Nina is standing in this year's local elections in South Hampstead, which is a ward for the Camden Council. So we're going to have a general chat, firstly, about you, Nina, actually. We're going to focus on you and and how you're, because you're a first-time candidate, aren't you? So I'm I'm really keen to see how you're getting on, how you're finding being a a Labour Party candidate for the first time. Um, And then after that, we're going to go into a bit of a discussion about how the campaign's going generally in in all our areas. So, Abby, you're from Manchester, aren't you? I live in Manchester currently, yeah. Yes, I know you're moving to Leeds soon. but No, I'm from Preston, but I live in Manchester, yeah. Okay, brilliant. And, and of course, you've been out campaigning in Manchester. Yeah. And listeners will know that I'm from Leeds. And Nina, well, I've already said that you're from, well, standing rather in South Hampstead. Um, so if we go through some of the some of the issues and how they're playing out on the doorstep and maybe finish off with our predictions for how the local elections are going to go. So if we jump straight to you then, Nina, if you don't mind. And, and as I've already mentioned, I'm really keen to find out your first impressions of being a Labour Party candidate. You did say that you were new before the, before we started the podcast. I, I don't know if you've stood anywhere else before. I Yeah, thank you so much for having me on, James, and lovely no to meet you, Abby, too. Um, yeah, I'm a first-time candidate. I've campaigned with MPs in the past and campaigned with um, councillors as well and uh, with public figures, but I've never actually put myself forward in this way. So it's been it's been an interesting experience, very stressful, lots of ups and downs, not going to lie, but I've enjoyed it so far. Oh, great. I was just going to ask, obviously, you've got like extensive campaigning experience. That's really impressive. How do you think it differs when it's your face on the leaflet and your name on the ballot? Is there more like nerves going and speaking to people on the doorstep? Is it how is it how does it differ? I think um, not too much, not too much. I think you you guys obviously know. I think um, lots of MPs staff and people who kind of work in politics are very similar to the politicians themselves. Have um, They are often like people. I think that's the thing. I, I love I love other people. Like it sounds ridiculous, but I've got a lot of time to give and a lot of energy to give and a lot of listening and understanding to give. And so I think on the doorstep, Um, I'm just particularly interested in what's going on in the area that I live in, but also the rest of the UK at the moment. We're living in such strange times, in many ways good, but also lots and lots of really, really, really testing, um, testing times at the moment with war on our doorstep and the aftermath of Brexit. And now we're in a cost of living crisis and fuel crisis, but also at a watershed moment in history with the climate crisis. So it's like all these different crises all these different things to get behind. Like we saw, like going off on a tangent again, but it's related to politics completely, is uh, the police bill is going to be given royal assent. So I think back to your question, Abby, in terms of, yeah, what it's like now kind of putting myself forward is I feel like I need to understand the issues and do the research, do the due diligence um, to be able to answer the questions, but also admit if you can't, if you don't have the answer, don't just, don't just, say something to make someone happy I think that's something I've really had to learn um actually mm-hmm. by being on the doorstep is I think over promising is quite it can be a dangerous thing 
you know, because you can overpromise and say, look, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. And then if you can't do it, people are going to be upset and there's people's lives that are affected by this. So I think as um, Labour Party candidates, generally being in the Labour Party, we have more people to piss off because we care about everyone. <laughs> Whereas <laughs> the Tories don't, excuse my French, but give a shit really a lot of the time. They just, they'll say what you want to hear. And then I think that's why we're in this position. Um, so I think me yeah. and my two other fellow candidates in Southampton, we try to be more and I don't like to use the word, but pragmatic about our approach. We've tried to be honest and kind and um, have a lot of time to give to our residents and not even just residents, but people who are in South Hampstead. Not everyone's, not everyone's got a home or a roof over their head. How are you finding the pace of it? I've, I'm a long, I've been a candidate now, I think it's eight times and it's... Um, no. It, it takes its... Jeez, takes, no way. Eight, eight times? Eight times. First time I stood was in 2010. Yeah, so. I was nine then. Well, I was really unlucky, actually, because I, I got elected in 2018 on an all-out election, and then I was up again in 2019. So, you know, I had to stand twice in two years. And then, Gosh. And then, and then I was unlucky again, actually, because I, I was selected in 2020, and then, of course, everything got postponed, so I didn't get back on the council until last year. So, but anyway, the, my question, I digress. And it's not, this podcast certainly is not about me. It's about, uh, it's about you, Nina, and, and local elections more generally. I think How it's nice. You? I think we hit all different, I mean, not completely all sides of the UK, but it's it's a really, it's good perspective, I think, especially with podcasts like this. What's great, great about Open Labour is it's got such a far, far reach. We're not just like Southern centred. It can be really, uh, often if you're from London and you're a Londoner, you're like very, can be very much like, London centric. That's the whole problem with the Labour Party that's why we really need to you know address that and close those gaps um and give representation to everyone so it's good we got we, we're all from different places I think it's important well yeah. well it was intentional actually that's why I was <laughs> I was frantically texting people saying right who who's good and that we know in the south uh, I mean I went to Abby straight away since me and Abby are friends and I know that she's very good in the northwest anyway <laughs> oh, the question go back to the question how are you um how are you finding the the pace of being a candidate because it can be absolutely exhausting emotionally but also for for your friends and family as well. yeah so it's a good question um it's I mean it's it's one it's definitely linked to mental health I, I think some people depending on on the state of your mental health at the time is definitely something really to consider if standing um, your support network around you. And I think I generally have quite a good support network around me. Um, I have quite a optimistic disposition where it takes quite a lot to like bring me down. So I think I'm quite good at um, maybe I should... <laughs> resilient yeah yeah resilient maybe yeah so I so I think it's been it's been okay so far I mean who knows what can come kind of come up in the long run but I mean in the short to short term to the present it's been fine it's been nice like bringing friends out getting on the doorstep Mm. people who wouldn't Mm. normally campaign that's been really fun yeah so how before you said that I think before the call started, you said not only are you new, but um, your whole team is new, you and the two other people standing to be award colleagues. So how have you found that as an experience? Do you think that has, you know, helped you somewhat or hindered the campaign? How's how's that been? That's a great question. Um, Abby, it's helped so much, I would say. It's been oh, great. Really- yeah it's been so fun you guys should come down if you're free in the next before the election come down to South Hampstead we're actually having a really good time um because I think so Izzy um yes she is 
new in the sense that she's a candidate she's very very experienced campaigner as well so um, she's again, yeah she's campaigned for MPs and getting people elected and councillors and and she's very active in the trade unions um you should definitely get her on at some point and then Will he is new to campaigning which has been really fun because I feel like sometimes if you're a politico um you can be a bit of an echo chamber and Will has <laughs> definitely brought kind of a new way of campaigning he's got a lot of energy to give as well and doesn't always do things by the rules necessarily thinks outside the box which has been a nice we've made a quite good team I'd say we complement each other in that sense and I think um I think it's good it's good to have a diverse set of candidates as well of course and I think that's what's great about Camden is that we have like everyone there's just such a, a diverse group of us going in if we were if we are going to be elected we're from all different parts of London some of us aren't even from London at all um from all different parts of the world as well lots of different languages spoken um but actually in terms of me Izzy and Will we actually we are actually all from London so it is definitely important that we do a lot of listening on the doorstep and um yeah that we compliment each other but also yeah do a lot of listening to our residents to make sure that we are doing we are helping them um but yeah it's been it's been fun especially because we're, we're all a similar age as well which has been quite interesting um standing fairly young you're saying James if you stood in 2010 you must have been so young <laughs> yeah, yeah but it was, that. it was an individual award though so it was absolutely fine and I was well yeah. well locked after how old were you? How when old you were you when you stood in 2010? <laughs> Maybe I don't want to give my age away now. <laughs> so, right, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so, it's um, my 33rd birthday yeah. in on the 4th of May, so a couple of days away. 33. Okay, so you're what do you don't? Is that a positive or a negative? <laughs> yeah, I'm <laughs> mid to late 20s. Very good. I'll take that compliment. Thank you very much. That's, Factory, that's, we'll that's get you my age. Abby. That's my yeah yeah. We're like close in age to you then, James. Like we are. We're all in that age bracket. Me and his and won't mind me saying and then one of our youngest candidates I won't say who they are but they are um yeah like 19 and so yeah like really inspiring she's incredible she's got again she's gonna go so far I really hope that she sticks to it if she doesn't get elected we're hoping that we'll find there'll be another seat for her at some point in Camden um in an area that she knows well and yeah so it's a lot of it's really exciting standing of of lots of different people and learning about their lives and yeah having different political views as well it was good so we were going to go around all three of us and, and talk about how issues are playing out on the doorstep initially I said on top of the agenda of issues that have come up is local issues now we want this podcast to be short and sweet so I think we can take it as read that we're all getting lots of local issues on the doorstep it is local elections after all and I I think the electorate understand that and and this is their chance to raise their voice through the democratic process in regards of local concerns so let's skip past that and instead let's go around and talk about what I think are the biggest issues please do add on any other big issues that you think that we should be discussing I've got Partygate slash Boris Keir Starmer cost of living um, and then, I don't know, finish off with predictions. So is, is anybody wanting to add anything on to that? Sounds good. I think um, there's other things that can thread through all those issues. I think they touch, yeah. It's good. Yeah. So let's kick off with Partygate slash Boris. So in Leeds, for me, this, this has been the number one issue. Again, local issues aside, 
what I found actually, across, and I've been fortunate enough to be able to campaign across the city, but with older Tories, we could categorise them as your old school One Nation Tories in quite affluent areas. They're absolutely disgusted with the Conservative Party and Boris Johnson in particular and, and this new brand of the Conservative Party since Boris took over and as a result are either not voting or voting Labour. I must say that it's it's not, you know, they're coming over in their droves. I mean, these are people that have voted Tory all their lives. So they'll be very reluctant. The hand will be shaking as they tick the uh, the box next to a Labour Party candidate's name. But they are staying at home and they're refusing to vote. So which is positive. So I so so I think in, in those sort of in those areas that are classically Tory Labour, I, I can see us doing really well. It's interesting for me hearing that because uh, I can proudly declare that we don't have Tories in Manchester. Um, our main opposition in most seats will be the Lib Dems and every now and then the Greens. Mm. The Tories, you know, we don't speak to a lot of Tories. Um, I've been spending a lot of time, most of my time actually, campaigning in um, Ancoats which we lost a seat at a by-election in January to a Lib Dem. Um, so big push this time. And Partygate is one of the issues that comes up alongside house of living, cost of living. Um, housing's a huge one. Um, you know, people just want somewhere clean and nice to live. But we've had a lot, quite a few really like touching stories of people saying, particularly around Christmas when it all started coming out. You know, I had a family member who was dying and I couldn't see them. You know, my kids didn't get to see their grandparent before they went and they were all having parties. So I'm not sure how many like minds it's changing or hearts it's changing in an area that was solidly Labour anyway, but it is really solidifying that idea that it's the Tories are not the people who mm. are going to look out for the ordinary working person. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. How is it in London? Yeah, similar. Um, our, if I home into our ward, South Hampstead, we're actually, it's just a bit of background. We're a bit, it's quite tight at the moment. We're hoping we do win and that each of us do win, but it is tight between us and the Tories. Um, Abby, wow, we've got okay. no green candidate standing and we've got no we've got our so Lib Dems um Tories and and then us three obviously and so it wow. is it's quite tight because there's this um one of the biggest issues um which the Tories have been focusing on they've been bending the truth about which is no surprises there I'm not even going to get into it because it's just ridiculous <laughs> but um yeah in terms of party gate so when I when we do talk to those kind of Tories that you were chatting about, um, James, in terms of like, is it One Nation kind of older conservative conservatism? Mm. Um, yes, people are pissed off, and that unites a lot of people cross party. It's mm. a non-partisan issue, Partygate, and I think it's absolutely abhorrent it's disgusting that they did it in the first place it's one thing for us to party in breaking the rules it's another thing when you are in office you're making those rules and you have such severe and then you're fining other people and then you do it yourself anyway we know we know the detail I think like so the other day I was knocking on um a lovely woman's door and she came out she's previously only ever voted Tory 
And she explained to me that she didn't get to say goodbye to her brother and some similar stories. And then when it came out that Boris and Rishi Sunak and co were partying, she just felt like she couldn't vote for them again. And now she feels Mm. politically homeless. And I also feel like for the first time in British history, a prime minister has been fined. So he's he's essentially a criminal to take kind of Tory wordplay when they kind of say that um people are criminals and pretty patel and all her kind of like warlike speak and they are literally breaking the they're breaking the law and now they're trying to send asylum seekers some of the most van- vulnerable people trying to get refugee status to rwanda so i think that their laws and policies when they're meant to be the party of law and order is so contradictory when they're breaking the laws of left right and center so yeah i think it gives them really low credibility and to be honest, I, I was saying um, we had a hustings the other day and I just honestly don't know how a Tory candidate can knock on someone's door right now when the government has done what they have done. The one thing that I would say is <laughs> I think that, that Partygate is, is touching all, all politicians or shall I say the established political parties. So I've had quite a bit of you're all the same. So I'll leave it at that because my predictions will echo some of the comments that I've just made there, especially with the, the headlines that have just come just come through. But actually, it's a nice little segue into Keir Starmer as well. He has been coming up on the doorstep much more than I anticipated yeah. by people that saying that they're not they're not very happy with him. And it's been across the city, people saying that they, they don't like Keir Starmer. Now, I've never been in an election where people have said that they they like the Labour Party leader for obvious reasons. We know that the right wing press attack Labour Party leaders for fun and the specialised and well practised at doing it. The one thing I would say about Keir Starmer is it's the dislike that, oh, I don't like him. He's very, very soft. And the thing that I talk about when people say they don't like Keir Starmer is the Mick Libel case. It was on Radio 4. They did a piece the other day about how Keir Starmer worked pro bono to support. There were two Greenpeace or London Greenpeace protesters that took on McDonald's, essentially, and were getting sued and dragged through the courts. And Keir Starmer worked with them pro bono and managed to support them. When I tell that story, people say, oh, when I say he was doing that in the 80s without the you know spotlight of politics on them, people say, oh, yeah, OK, yeah, I can see that. So I think the opposition is soft. It's something that's almost cultural to bash the Labour Party leader. And when Keir's story comes out about his, his track record on human rights and things like this, the McLeibel case, people are willing to listen and change their opinion. So that tells me that opposition to Keir Starmer when we get closer to an election and, and his, his story is told, will fade away. But it is having an effect on the doorstep at the moment in Leeds, certainly. See, that's interesting because um, obviously there's a strong Labour vote in Manchester. And so whenever Kia comes up on the doorstep to me, it's often in the context of, oh, I just think he's a bit, I don't want to say right wing because we're in the Labour Party, but he's just... He doesn't seem to have many policies. I don't know what he stands for. Yeah, I've had that. that yeah. Sort of stuff. That's yeah. that's what comes up most in Manchester. Yeah. But what does help us is a lot of people do like Andy Burnham here. Um, like last year, even in wards in like Oldham that fell to the Tories, Andy Burnham was elected mayor. So him being very public and him essentially being de facto leader in Manchester, yeah. obviously our leader yeah. of the council, Bed Craig, absolutely wonderful. But Andy Burnham is the one that helps us on the doorstep rather mm. than Pia Starmer, who a lot of people seem to oppose from the left. 
Yeah. Well, that's yeah, just my I, experience. Perhaps I, have, I, I have had some of that. I have had people say, oh, I liked Jeremy Corbyn. Of course, the problem was when Jeremy Corbyn was leader and I spent half my time having 15-minute conversations with voters trying to stick up for Jeremy Corbyn because everyone, a lot of people were saying, in our traditional heartland, saying, you know, I won't vote Labour whilst he's, yeah. in, whilst he's your leader. And, and again, it was about telling his story and, his, and giving him a fair hearing as, as an honourable man. Yeah, no, that's uh, really interesting to hear both your counts um, from Leeds and um, Manchester, right? Manchester. Yeah, Manchester. Um, yeah, exactly. And I think, yeah, it's, it's going to be it maybe a little bit similar, maybe slightly different in the sense that this is Jeremy Corbyn's like home ground. It was for a while, obviously. Um, so a lot of people, a lot of some people still do have a lot of love for him, obviously, in the in the kind of far left or however you want to call it of the Labour Party. And I think it's important not to I find not to shut those people down because we don't want to create um, kind of silos and islands. I think it's really important to cross bridges at the moment. I know it sounds quite like cliche, but to take Joe Cox's kind of logic and um, morals. Definitely. Really important. And I but it's been it has been quite hard for us in South Hampstead. Um, in that sense, it has, even though we're trying to cross bridges, it's been quite hard um, in terms of just linked to in, like comparison between Keir, not even comparison, but yeah, Keir Starmer. I think generally it's been more positive than negative, apart from there's a, a minority that are quite vocal about um, not liking him. But then there is, I would say the majority are, they don't really have much to kind of say bad about him, which is good. And it's, it's very clear he's very competent. He looks at the detail and in the sense of we have war in the Ukraine at the moment, a Russian invasion of the Ukraine, like there is so much really big issues going on right now. And I think having Keir Starmer in charge would be incredible to have him in charge right now. I think he would react very well and make good choices because he is a very smart guy and looks at the detail. And I think that's what we've been lacking for such a long time. I always thought that Jeremy Corbyn was so passionate and great campaigner but actually I think when it comes to leading on such big issues that we're facing now I don't really think that he's got that I think Keir Starmer does and so that's my personal views um but in terms of others on the doorsteps I've met I met a guy the other day who was actually um he was a barrister and um he took Stephen Lawrence's uh murderers but essentially trying to obviously convict them so he worked with Keir presumably then exactly and mm. so then he was like he asked me he was like oh so you're standing and I was like yes and he was like so what's your opinion of Keir Starmer and I was like is this a trick question I was just there <laughs> with my leaflets like vote Labour and I was like um well actually I think I actually think that Keir Starmer is a great guy and I think he's very smart and he's very competent but like intelligence aside I think he's also he cares and then I basically made reference to his speech at the most recent um conference and mm. then he brought Stephen Lawrence's mother on and I just found the whole thing very emotional and I think it just shows exactly what kind of person Keir Starmer is but even before politics like he he like he works hard and so I think that does come across on the doorstep too. And the guy, the guy that I was chatting to asked me the question was like, yeah, I'm a massive fan of Keir Starmer. <laughs> I think he should oh, be prime minister. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a, mix, a mixed bag, but I would say more positive than compared to um, Jeremy Corbyn in the, in the election of 2000. And, but, yeah. but, but the sort of golden rule in politics is that people only shout up when they're complaining about something, certainly electoral politics anyway. 
And I suppose the people that I'm that are say, mentioning Keir Starmer are the people that don't like him. What you don't get is you knock on the doorstep and, and people say, yeah, I'm voting Labour quite, you know, quite positively. And you sort of say, oh, well, thank you very much for your support. We won't let you down. You don't get into a conversation. Perhaps if you got into a conversation with those people, somebody they would say, actually, we quite like Keir Starmer. It's just that I have noticed a difference because I was up for election last last year, as we've already mentioned, and nobody mentioned Keir Starmer at all. I think I had one guy mention him um, to me in a negative way. It's just that it's come up quite a few times this time. But, you know, he's settling into the role now, isn't he, and and getting more publicity. So I suppose that's why I'm hearing a little bit more about him. So let's jump into... Sorry, Abby, go on. I will say that I think it has been especially convenient for us that we've got the former defence... head of public prosecutions I can't remember what the official title is as our leader in a time when the Tory party are being fined for breaking the law it's like you know we've got a someone who's been on the convicting people for however long you know you can make the case good or bad yeah if you want uh but it definitely I think in the like minds of the electorate it does try and crack that where the party of law and order image that the Tories like to give off. Yeah, I agree. agree. So cost of living. Now, this is this is a funny one, and I, th- I suspect it's a little bit similar to what I've just said about Keir Starmer, is that people that are voting Labour, this will be cognizant in their minds, the cost of living crisis, and that Labour will have their backs, as our new campaign slogan says. So, But it's not been brought up with me on the doorstep as much as I expected. I expected everybody to talk about cost of living crisis the only people that do seem to be talking about cost of living on the doorstep with me is again those old school one nation Tories that have turned around and said oh it's terrible the cost of living crisis for people and I really really feel feel sorry for people that are having to go through this I find that really strange because I'm like why you why have you voted Tory all your life then because this is not this is not a new phenomenon that People that are more uh, deprived, lived in more deprived and disadvantaged areas that suffer when the the Tories are in government. But it is being brought up with me with, you know, centre centre right type people that have some sort of a social conscience. But to our base, it's not really been discussed as much as I expected. I agree. It's actually um I've kind of been bringing it up on the doorstep when someone doesn't say it. Yeah. Someone's yeah. like because I'm interested. Like yeah. But I think like if we link the cost of living crisis to the energy crisis, then that has come up like the 54% rise in energy bills is like is massive to um, a lot of people that I've spoken to. So I think that that's come up a lot. Um, I mean, it's something that like I don't put on the heating. We don't need the heating on now, but like 54% is just Mm. absolutely off the charts. And so like that has come up a bit um but yeah I feel like that I'm the one to kind of say and the cost of living crisis when we're trying to because it is such a tight horse race with us at the moment we have to kind of do a bit of Tory um badgering and basically bring up what the problems are and and we do we do link them as a cause to the cost of living crisis because of their incompetence in government yeah I think that's right I suppose when I have had persuasive conversations with people that are a little bit dithering it's been that's something that we've been able to to point to and say that this government is inept and your, your standard of living has is, is regressed significantly since 2010 and linking those things up for people in their minds for them so that it equates to a, a political decision. But what do you think, Abby? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I was kind of staying quiet because I just agree with everything that everyone else has said. 
I haven't found that cost of living crisis has come up that much on the doorstep, which is really interesting because you'd think that would be the thing that people were talking about the most. But I guess we'll probably see the effects of that in a couple of months' time. But, yeah, I, I agree with Nina. I think I've brought it up more times than people have brought it up to me. But where I've been canvassing, we've had a really heavy focus on local issues. The national ain't come up half as much as I thought it would. Yeah. This again moves very nicely into our predictions, which we'll we'll go into and finish off the podcast. I think all these things are at the back of people's minds. And when people open the door and say, Yeah, I am voting Labour this time. And I've had quite a lot, which is quite a yeah. lot of that, which is really positive. You know, people say, Yeah, I am voting Labour this time. I didn't last time. I am this time. I have voted Labour in the past. All of the issues that we've discussed do play into that. And perhaps just because we're not teasing it out of people, if we had time to have a 30-minute conversation with every voter that indicates that they're voting Labour, all of these things would come out. But of course, politics is time pressured. And we're all we're (laughs) all trying to we're all trying to maximize our time, speak to as many people as possible on the doorstep. So we, you know, when they say they vote Labour, we don't sort of pick it out it'd be so interesting yeah, to be able true, to have actually. the time to do that so what do we think for predictions then I, and i just want to say that these predictions are caveated by what has just come out in the press and it was a labor party press release to say that angela rayner was present at the durham constituency it wasn't a party it was keir starmer having a beer and a curry in between canvassing from from what i can gather i think it will have an effect because of. i think it's going to damage us because especially because we've been hammering boris johnson so hard for partygate people yeah, are going to turn around and call us hypocrites whereas yeah. yes boris is a hypocrite because he made the rules and didn't follow them but he wasn't bashing Keir for not following the rules either and also I've had quite a bit of on the doorstep of, well, you're all as bad as each other. Now, a lot of yeah. those people were non-voters or don't knows or Tories anyway. So I've not had anything from previous Labour voters say that you're all as bad as each other or people that have voted, yeah, perhaps didn't vote Labour in 2019 and but voted Labour before. I've not had that. I think it will seep in to that now and we're going to get a little bit more of you're all bad as each other, which of course does benefit Greens certainly independent liberal democrats to a certain extent but of course their brand has been so heavily damaged because of the time in the coalition so my predictions are that i think in in our cities we're going to do have a really good set of elections i think we'll smash it i think we'll take wards that have always been tory labor marginal um i think in some of the areas that we've been doing surprisingly well in and the lib dems have been doing well in as well some of the more rural uh, wealthy areas I think will do well there because they're the, they're the sort of people that read a broad range of press and are, are abs- and absolutely hate the Conservative Party at the moment so I think we'll make gains there where I am worried about making gains is those areas that used to be the, uh, the red wall areas where people voted Tory for the first time in 2019 and again in 2021 I'm not so sure that we're making headway in those communities. And I think that's a lot of that is down to the fact that we've not come out with our vision for the country yet, which is understandable given that we're a little bit out of, out of an election. And I try and explain that by the fact that Boris Johnson will triangulate on any policy that we come out, come out with because he's not got any ideology. So it's very hard to plant your feet and, and come out with a, an agenda, isn't it, and land your punches. But I don't see feel that we're making a lot of headway in those red walls. So I think a good set of elections all over, but I don't think we'll make big, big gains in previously Labour 
areas in the red wall. There you go. That's my predictions. Right, let's go around and, and see. And maybe we'll all have to meet up afterwards and have a podcast and see how it all played out. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I don't know. I think as anyone who's listening to this that knows me will know, I am an eternal pessimist. Um, and I don't like to jinx things, jinx things. So I don't want to say, oh, we're going to do really well and then we're not. I do. I think a lot of it's dependent on the local and it's dependent on how we handle this story that's coming out today. I think mm. those are going to be the two big things. I think our response to this is going to matter a lot. I think it's going to dent us a lot. But I am I'm quite hopeful for a good result, definitely in cities, in Manchester. Um, maybe I'm not so sure in rural areas. I feel like we might see a Lib Dem spike because mm. everyone's, you know, there's not been Ed Davey having a mad rave mid-COVID story yet. I say <laughs> yet. Um, so maybe that will cause a Lib Dem surge. I don't know. I don't want to call it is my really long winded way of saying that. <laughs> Well, I think you have caught it a little bit there, Abby. So <laughs> you, you've said, Edit you've, that said, out. Edit you've, that said out. you've said things that we can we can hold you to after the Damn election. It. <laughs> Go on, Nina. What do you think? So I think I'll um then I'll be the <laughs> I'll counteract what Abby says, and I'm optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that we do really well, obviously. But I think it's going to be massively. I mean, I know in in London, especially in the marginals, it's always based on turnout as it is because. If we get enough young people out, I think young people, speaking young people cross party are just pissed off at politics and pissed off at the current government that kind of goes beyond just party gate. Um, So I think for us, it's really about focusing on those groups that feel left out, not just young people, lots of different groups, but really, really making sure turnout is big. I think if we have a big turnout, that will be conducive and rather we can then reflect that even if it doesn't go our way, people care. And that hopefully they can use their voice at the polling station to be like, I, I care what's going on. There's so much has happened in the last few years, a pandemic, like a war, there's so much going on. Like my brother is in Ukraine right now. I wasn't going to say, but it's honestly, it's wow. so, so yeah. And it's um, scary stuff. So I just think that he's, he's actually okay. He's fine. Fingers crossed. Positive, positive energy to Absolutely. Ukraine constantly. But um, yeah, so there's just so much to kind of get behind and use your vote for in these local elections. And I think that, I think it was, was it Polly Toynbee? I always pronounce her name wrong. Um, Is that right? Yeah, yeah. 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 She wrote a piece in The Guardian, quite a positive piece about um, the local elections saying that Labour hopefully will do well. Um, But I see it as a bit of a catalyst to 2024 as well. What do you guys think about kind of, the general election and the locals and links to that? Mm, I think it's good springboard, definitely. Mm-hmm. If, especially if you get good councillors going to work at the grassroots yeah. level uh, and, and work, on those deliver, work on those local issues and prove ourselves that we're listening to people and delivering. I think that's the key, building back trust. Yeah, I was going to say exactly that. Like, if we get good councillors in and if we have a controlled council, we can say, look what Labour's done for you locally. Imagine if you've got a Labour government that can enact these policies on the national, imagine how much else we'll be able to do here. I think that is important to be able to say. I agree. It makes such like grassroots movements make the biggest differences. Small changes, local changes make massive differences. I don't think that that's 
pervasive in the Labour Party consciousness now. I think some people just want to talk about massive issues and forget that grassroots is really important. If you can't deliver locally, then why would people trust you to deliver nationally? And it's something that we're going to get across. We would all say that, wouldn't we? Because we're all avid local campaigners, of course. And Nina's a candidate and I'm a councillor, so I'm bound to say that. But it's got a big, it should play a very, very important role in in our movement and as you say we get good councillors good set of elections and who knows i am confident about 2024 despite the huge gulf um (laughs) despite the huge gulf that we've got to or mountain that we've got to climb i I am confident i I think the the tories don't have any ideas to solve the systemic problems in our society in in every in every domain so i am confident i also think they've been in power for so long they're getting cocky in a sense And I think the, you know, the Rwanda plan, the... Watching porn in Parliament. Justin saying the borders bill, the election bill, showing IDs, they're trying to stay in power now. All this stuff kind of shows that they think they can get away with anything because they've been in power Mm. for over a decade, most of my lifetime now. Mm. Um, And I I hope that kind of works in our favour and people show them actually you can't do whatever you want. Mm. Um, That's not right. Yeah, I agree. Great. Excellent. Well, let's end it there then. We sh- we must do a little a little podcast when we come back to either yeah. eat our words okay. or or celebrate our clairvoyance. <laughs> but thank you very <laughs> exactly. much, Abby. Sorry, Nina. Go on. <laughs> It'll either be congratulations or condolences next time. <laughs> yeah. But look, Nina, Nina, it's been really lovely to talk to you. I, I wish you the best of luck. You sound from from meeting Absolutely you today. I think you'll be luck. a wonderful councillor. The people of South Hampstead will be very, very lucky to have you as a local elected representative. So good luck, yeah, Abby. As always, you and your team. Yeah, and Abby, thank it's brilliant to have you on as co-host. You've got to co-host with me some more time some more times oh, I think I feel like we should leave it to Tom I don't know I mean I've told him this is the start of the Lancashire takeover so maybe that'll spur him into coming back quicker um yeah I don't big know up. yeah well let's big up to Tom as well Tom Hinchgiff our usual co-host yes yes I think you guys make a great pair I think you guys make a great pair no offense to Tom <laughs> Nina you never met Tom you want to hope he's not got any friends in South Hampstead, Nina. He'll be telling them not to vote for you now. Oh, sorry, Tom. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank you so okay. much for coming on and best of luck. Thanks, everyone. Cheers, guys. Thank you so Thank much. You.